Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIllman.com or follow him on Instagram at KimIllman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the massive German GP that's just happened. How's it been Kim? It was the greatest day of photography I've ever had in F1. There was so much on offer and luckily I picked the right corner to spend most of my day or certainly during the race at because I went to the second last and last turn and boy it was just action packed. I was shooting them coming towards me before they turn right and go down the main straight which is the last corner and almost all of the drivers if they ever got their wheels their left hand wheels onto the curbing as soon as they put their foot down the thing would swerve all over the joint and Leclerc in particular for about seven to ten laps Every time he came around this turn, he fishtailed it out the back. He always managed to grab it. And I thought, well, this, this has got to produce something of great interest at some point. And then I'm, I'm shooting a car that's just gone around the corner. And I look outside the viewfinder of the camera. And I see Carlos Sainz heading towards the area that I'm standing just behind. And uh, he's just about to hit the, um, the crash barriers, pulled up short did a a U-turn and spun it out of there. So that was the first of what turned out to be many great incidents. Um, Probably the most memorable was uh, poor Nico Hulkenberg. He was running in fourth position, Mm. had been third for some time, and he was heading for his greatest ever finish in his home Grand Prix, possibly could have got a podium. And remember, the guy has never been on the podium. And then he ends up in the same spot in the crash barrier. Now, I was a bit further back around the track, but only by about 100 metres. And, of course, I get some long shots of the car going into the uh, crash barrier, but it wasn't a spectacular crash. But then I move across to the area where I know he's going to have to exit the track from, and I get these beautiful low-angle shots of a distraught driver coming off the track. And, and people want to see emotion, and as much mm. as it's a negative thing because the, the guy's crashed – sports fans want to see that emotion and I, and I captured it. It was beautiful. He went and sat in the marshal's hut and he just had his head in his hands. He still had his helmet on. He didn't because when you have a, a negative impact uh, or a negative incident at the track, you probably don't take your helmet off till you get back in the safety of your um, motorhome back in, in the paddock because you really don't want people seeing your face at that mm. particular time. Obviously, if you're winning and you're all joyful, yeah, the helmet comes off very quickly. So um, I caught him on the back of the scooter going back to the um, paddock and then not long after that Charles Leclerc comes off right in front of me Mm. and I get some beautiful photos once again of Charles coming off the track and uh, he's upset as you can well imagine because he was looking like going all right and uh, and then there was another spin that I got Max Verstappen did a complete 360 it wasn't close to me it was probably what would have been about um 200 metres away, but it was a clear shot. And he did this 360, and the guy goes on to win the race. Yeah. So there was so much happening everywhere that it was absolutely mind-blowing. Do you think the corner having a lot of troubles maybe due to a lot of newer drivers not understanding or not really having a grip of it yet? No, I just think it was so slippery. And uh, the tyre choice, look, I'm not a motoring guy. I don't know about tyre choices, but um, I did at the back of the... FIA garage after the race, I was watching the the, um, the non-top three drivers come out, which is always a buzz, and it was a very concentrated area because there was a lot of work going on, so all these guys are right close to me. 
and Lance Stroll came out and he was just pumping. And I was so thrilled for this kid because he's, he's ended up fourth and could have mm. quite easily been third. He was only pipped for third a couple of a few laps out from home. And he was just bouncing off the walls and telling stories about how it was the greatest decision to put us on those tyres. And, um, yeah, it was a real lovely thing to see this young guy. And I, I said to him as he, as he walked away, I said, I'm so proud that you, you had a, a great day today. And he smiled and said, thanks, because there's plenty of shit days in motorsport because there's only ever one winner and um, you only ever have your best result, really. So uh, it was it was good to see that. And Daniel Kvyat, I didn't actually see him at any stage because he was out at uh, the park for me, which I didn't get out to, uh, and he was also on the podium. I got, I got one shot of him, that's right. And he was just on fire. And I was so happy to see his trainer out the back with Max Verstappen's trainer, these two guys, big hulking men, six foot three plus, both of them, and um, just beaming grins and enjoying the fact that their charges, their guys, had um, had great days out. Actually, speaking of Daniel Kvyat, when he was on the podium, mm. I had to laugh because he, he's rarely up there. I don't know how many times he's been there, but it certainly hasn't been, <laughs> been there more than a few. When he was called up as the third third place getter, he walked up, acknowledged the crowd, and then he shook all the dignitaries' hands. Now, mm. no one ever does that. You walk straight past him normally, stand on your spot on the podium, wait for the champagne. Um, but he was so thrilled. He was going to make every moment a winner. Yeah, there was quite a, a lot of new names on the on the podium for this year, oh. at least, with uh, Hamilton ending up ninth, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was 11th, but could have been ninth. Um, see, the thing is, w- w- typically I don't know a great deal of, of where people finish and what happened. Like, I keep thinking, oh, where's Daniel Ricciardo? And I don't know perhaps until the next day because we – we have to head back to the media centre, edit, post stuff, and then oftentimes it's it's some time before I find out. But, yeah, it was just lovely to see um, the the roster changing. Yeah, Hamilton way down low. Bottas didn't finish. Um, because when I got out to the FIA garage, I see Angela Cullen there. I think, I never see Angela here welcoming her driver mm. um, in the also-ran section. So I gave her a hug and said it was you know, thrilled thrilled to see her out here even though she probably should, didn't want to be out there and, and what I did take from that is when Lewis came out he still had his helmet on now that's unusual most of the guys have got their helmet off by the time they exit the FIA garage um, she just walked half a pace behind him and she had her left hand in the small of his back and just gently guided him back to the motorhome he knew where, we, where he was going but I, I thought that was a really lovely touch and and I tend to notice those sort of things, small details. And I'll give you another one that uh, I was out on the um, the grid waiting for the national anthem, and I stand just behind the red carpet, and the drivers walk in front of me, stand and uh, look the same direction as me down the track. And uh, I always look around to see what captures my eye. And yesterday, a lot of the drivers, probably half of them, had these overboots over their race shoes that are waterproof. Uh, and a um, couple of them were customised, but they wear those on the wet track, obviously, and when they get back to the car, they will take them off just before they get into the car. And so that's something that stood out to me. And <laughs> I'm also looking at some pictures as I talked to you at the start where I was up at Turn 1, and they're not stunning pictures because the first car you see is clear, second car's got a bit of spray on it. By the time you get back to Car 5, it's just white with a bit of blur in the background. But <laughs> as soon as they announce the start... Um, some lads in the crowd behind, obviously Dutch Max fans, start lobbing these flares, orange flares, onto the track, which some 
so, um, Marshall had to race out and grab, and one landed not too far from us in the in the media moat where mm. we we shoot from. And I thought, now had that have been blowing, the wind been blowing the wrong way, that would have wrecked all of the photographers' photos because they would have been having a an orange haze across everything. Now, Daniel Ricardo didn't get to finish. Do you know what happened with him? No, you probably got more idea <laughs> than I have. I got some beautiful shots of him forming up on the grid, and I'll, and I'll tell you. Um, one of the great shots that we get, and I always wondered about how this was done, is you go to the back of the grid and wait for the cars to drive up, and they turn the engines off, and then they're pushed through the grid up to their starting spot. But it, the shot you get standing in the middle of the track low with a full grandstand behind, and especially when it's wet because you get a much sharper shot because there's no heat haze, they're just some of the best photos I've taken. In fact, I'll be honest, I've just found about 50 photos that I've failed to post so, um, yeah, I've got a bit of work to do once I've finished with you, Adrian. Now, Ferrari had a lot of trouble in qualifying. How did Vettel and Leclerc seem going into the race? I spoke to Charles's girlfriend uh, before the race and sort of said, you know, bad luck, he's starting 10th, you know, he must be a bit disappointed. And she said, no, he can win from there. He, he knows he can win from there. And I thought that was great positivity. Of course, he didn't win and he didn't even finish. But who would have thought Sebastian would have made it through to second yeah. from 20th? Because I'm thinking, if you can if you can make second from twentieth, what difference does qualifying make? But obviously that's because it was a wet race and there was plenty going on. But what a thrill for him to uh, finish second, because he, he could have qualified first and finished third, um, but he hadn't. He didn't. He was he started twentieth. He just went through the field, and uh, it was really lovely to see him bubbling at the end because he needed a bit of a, a boost. He's not had the greatest few weeks in the F1. So, yeah, his stocks were up yesterday and Charles's were down. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. So when you're on the grid and you're, you know, sh- shooting the drivers, do they, do they talk to each other? What, what kind of things are they saying to each other? Look, we get to listen to a little bit uh, talking to their engineers when they're near the car, but more so it's when I go up to the front to take the national anthem shots. And the drivers, like for, for instance, yesterday with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, teammates, they come up, they're one of the first up the front there, so they've got time. Both got umbrellas and they stand right in front of me, one left and one right, no more than a metre away, and they do this fist bump, and I missed it. I was, I was kicking myself that I missed that. Um, but it was a nice little thing. I thought, oh, well, they're, they're good teammates. And then they proceeded to have about a minute chat talking about the, the laps that they've been doing just to get used to it because you do five or six laps uh, before you come onto the grid. Mm. And Lando said something about, oh, yeah, Lewis did this. I think I can do that. And then Carlos said, no, that's Lewis. Lewis can do that. That was the gist of the conversation. And I felt pretty happy that, that I get that sort of access. But there was an even funnier moment um, earlier in the day when Carlos and Lando were heading out of the paddock um, to go and do some autograph and selfie stuff at the fan zone. At the same time, Daniel was coming back into the uh, paddock. So the boys have gone around the swipe gates. Daniel's come towards them, and he's feigned a sack whack on Carlos. So Carlos has turned his back on him and had a laugh. And um, Lando's just watching all this going on with this funny grin on his face. 
Daniel's gone to jump over the um, swipe gate and he's got his foot caught on the swipe, set, swipe gate bar. So um, Carlos has grabbed his foot and had a laugh and uh, Daniel's made some funny comment and I'm, I'm taking a photo with a wide-angle lens of Lando and I didn't realise it, but Carlos has got his arm coming through and giving Daniel the finger. And I really would have liked to have had a wide angle for some of the other stuff. But look, it happened so quickly. And every time I see a driver coming towards another driver, I have to be 100% ready because there's often great interactions. And there wasn't a, a great example of that earlier in the day too when uh, Charles Leclerc came across Daniel Kvyat and uh, Danny was quite funny. Did something, I can't even remember what it was, but it was over the top and would have looked great in a photo had I foreseen what was about to happen. But yeah, that's the beauty of this sport, hanging around the paddock and having the access that I get, it allows me to see stuff that um, people want to hear about. And that's the feedback I get, that the stories going up on Instagram are the things that people don't typically find out about but want to learn about. You mentioned Daniel going for another sack whack, and I believe he made an attempt on you. <laughs> Was that this race? Was that the Thursday, uh, Friday? Yeah, he feigned a, a sack whack on me, and I thought, right, well, I'm in good company there. And then uh, Nico's press officer came out of the back of the garage and he too did the same thing at me so uh, yeah i wear that with a i guess as a badge of honor it's a growing trend of f1 it seems yeah it, it's a bit of fun and uh, it's nice to see that fun element because not all the drivers are fun if you take lewis he's very businesslike and he's there to do the job and he he ran he ran the media around like you wouldn't believe one morning coming in he was in the back of the car. Angela was about to get him out, and then she had second thoughts, and she took off because she saw maybe 10 or 15 photographers hanging around, went to a second gate. He ran in. He ran backwards and forwards through some motorhomes, and the media were going crazy. I didn't get any photos of it. I was waiting down at the hospitality suite thinking eventually he'll pop up here, which he didn't. But, uh, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that most people would have no idea goes on. Any other topics to bring up for this one? Pierre Gasly took a beautiful photo of Pierre after he uh, got his fourth place qualifying yes. effort. And um, you know, I, I thought it was a really lovely picture, showed his joy. And of course, then he goes complete opposite and ends up uh, having a terrible race. So when you look at Pierre's weekend, he went from the low of having a crash to the high of qualifying fourth, his best ever. And then the low again of a DNF because uh, he has to pull his car up because of damage. So... Yeah, that's that's another human aspect of this sport that is fascinating. Now, what was the go with Mercedes and their old-time clothing? Well, they were celebrating 125 years of motorsport, and they've been a force in that uh, that field for that particular era. And so they celebrated by wearing the most amazing outfits on the weekend. Uh, not so much the drivers, but all of the crew would have these old-style hats. They would have vests. The guys would be wearing vests and uh, trendy baggy pants, the overalls that the mechanics were wearing were completely different to normal. And it was a great effort on their part uh, to, to look retro, although the, they had a group shot yesterday, which I missed. Um, but it, it came out looking great. Although I, I couldn't help thinking Lewis is dressed in double denim, denim jacket and <laughs> denim pants, and everyone else is looking from about I don't know, the 1930s, and Lewis looks like he's from the 1980s. But, uh, look, I've seen some of those pictures, and, and they look tremendous. 
And I did take a beautiful picture of Jimmy, who was one of the mechanics at Mercedes, and you've probably seen him on television with the big twirled moustache, a real character from Scotland, I think I can uh, say with some confidence. And, uh, yeah, he's wearing that trendy uh, old retro-style cap. Looks great. It was, it was a great marketing ploy on the part of Mercedes to get some you know, hugely positive attention. So that was your German GP for this year. Will there be another one? Well, I don't believe that uh, the race is returning, which is a shame because uh, after yesterday's action-packed event, you'd like to see another one there. And I don't know whether it was the track or whether it was uh, just the rain, but my gosh, there was so much going on. And I think uh, the sport needed that. It needed a, a complete tipping upside down and people who don't normally win winning and people who normally win not winning. So, yeah, look, I, I like the place. I've stayed at Mannheim. It's a very pleasant drive to the track. The traffic's good. Uh, the punters seem to love it, although there were a lot of empty seats yesterday, I noticed, in the stands in the, in the stadium section of the track. The bottom 15, 20 rows were sparsely occupied, whereas the stuff up the back, which is probably undercover and uh, a better option, was um, pretty much chock-a-block. So, yeah, look, I'd like to see it come back, but I don't believe that's going to be the case. Well, let's move on to the Hungry GP then. It's coming up this weekend, which is why we're going to talk about it briefly now. But tell us, Kim, what's the track like? Uh, good. It's uh, easy to get around. It's uh, a shorter track than what we've come from here, and it tends to wind back around the uh, paddock a fair bit. So you can you can have access to the front, to the main straight, and nip out the back and get quick access to sections at the back of the track. It tends to produce some exciting races. It's not a power track, so there's no huge long straight that... Um, perhaps might see Ferrari advantaged and boy I just hope to see that team get a win they've had some wretched luck of late bar the um, finish from Seb yesterday going from 20 to 2 but uh, yeah look I like the place it'll be warm it's always warm there uh, although I don't think it'll be as hot as what uh, Thursday and Friday were here they were almost unbearable days up in probably the low 40s or high 30s with the a tarmac temperature of well over 50 degrees. But, yeah, I, I like Budapest. I like the city. I like the people. Uh, I think there's good atmosphere and it's well supported by the fans. I believe this is in your top five races. Well, that would be right. I, I, I like the place. Uh, and it's easy to access the track so you can stay in the city. And it's only about a 25-minute ride out there, well organised, although it has the worst media centre of any track by far. Mm. It's down in a dungeon. Uh, it's a bit of a hike from the paddock. You have to go underneath a tunnel. And the desks uh, are circa 1970s school desks. So while it's not a terribly salubrious place to work, uh, there are other things that make up for it. So I'm looking forward to getting to Budapest on Wednesday and taking some more great photos for you people to see, you people that are listening to this podcast right now. And I do thank you for your uh, enthusiasm for this great sport. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Kim. We look forward to hearing your stories from the Hungry GP. Let's hope they're as action-packed as what we've enjoyed here in Germany. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPicks.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 On and Off the Track was presented by ProStarPicks.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPicks.com. Head there now.